Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. All right. So uh, that last announcement that you saw up there is Hope Week is coming. Can someone make some noise if you're excited about Hope Week? It is honestly the most exciting week for myself because I really love the, the, the visual and the actual being the body, being the hands and feet of Jesus to the community. And so this is something we are very serious about is that generosity is our pri- privilege. That's one of our values, right? But, but that doesn't, doesn't just pertain about giving financially, but that also is giving of our time. It's giving of our talent, it's giving of our energy, and we're really blessing the community. So what we do is we wear all the, we all wear these shirts, and uh, we show up to all these different projects. Right now we have 11 different projects across our community, across our region, really, and they're all blessing the community. It's all genuine needs. It's not just something that makes us feel good, because we are very emphatic about the standard for all these projects are meeting an actual need, not just going in and say, hey, look, let's take pictures of ourselves doing something. That's not the heart of it, although that can be some Sometimes tempting for that to be our motive, but we're very emphatic about our standard being meeting a need. So we have partnered with the, with the schools. We have partnered with the city. We've partnered with uh, organizations like City of Refuge, who's helping out in, in Oak Park. And so we want to let you know that we want every single person to be part of this because we are all about blessing our community. And you get one of these shirts when you sign up. Um, if you do the donation, but I'll give you one for free for someone who's excited about Hope Week. Who's excited about Hope Week? That person right there was clapping. Oh, oh, that was a sad throw. That's a halfway. Whoever wants it, you get it. So, uh, man, I, I forgot about the whole wind resistance thing when I threw that thing. That wasn't balled up very well. But uh, anyways, uh, hopefully my message doesn't go as bad as that throw. That's my prayer right now. But we're in the series uh, called Marked by Jesus. And it's going through the book of Mark. And the focus of Mark is Jesus' life. Mark is the account of looking at what Jesus did, and he is so straight to the point. That's what I love about Mark. He's straight to the point, and he, and he shares the, the high parts, the, the parts the, 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 of gospel that we should look at. And so one of the things that keeps coming up as we've been looking over the last few months is this idea of hardship and pain. Hardship and pain. We, keep on, we looked at storms a few weeks ago, and I spoke on that. And how that can produce in us something that we can't buy. How the storms actually produce growth in us. They, they produce the most important thing, which is a closer proximity to Jesus. A deeper intimacy with Jesus. A better understanding of who Jesus is. And simply knowing Jesus closer. And that is something that is the best thing that money can't buy. That is better than anything that we can't put a price tag on. But we won't get there unless we go through storms. And so as I, was, as I was reading that, I was like, okay, I'm done talking about storms and hardship for a while. And then I look at this next passage, I'm like, well, I guess I'm not done talking about storms and hardship. And, uh, and the reality of this idea that pain is kind of mandatory for our growth. And while we would love to have an easy, breezy, beautiful life and uh, everything goes smooth, the reality is that that's not the world we live in, that, that hardship will come, that, that things happen to us that don't make any sense. Some things are completely out of our, our control. And, and the, the thing I want to focus in today is that through all these hardships, through all this pain, there's something that else that's produced in the midst of hardship, 
And it's something that we see in Mark chapter 5. And it's this idea of desperation. And I, I believe that hardship produces desperation. Like we're in the midst of hardship. We're in the midst of, of things being out of our control that we feel helpless. That we get desperate. And I want to submit to you that that is a good thing. I actually want to submit to you that that is something lacking in our relationship with God. That desperation is, is something that we need in our relationship with God, that we should be longing and should be desperate for more of God, just like we're desperate for the air we breathe. But often we just kind of take it for granted. We kind of see God as something that we just need to make sure we're okay with. See, I believe, I believe a lot of us, I was thinking about you know, the Christians I know, the people that, that uh, follow Jesus and, and, and believe in him, and their relationship with them, and sometimes myself, is I sometimes feel like it's similar to my relationship with the IRS. And I know this sounds a little weird, but I feel like a lot of us are focused in the same way that I am with the IRS. Now, I don't love the IRS, but I respect the IRS. I, I know the IRS is real, and I know they have a lot of power, I respect them, and my main relationship with the IRS is compliance, right? Like, I hope I did everything right, filed my taxes right, made sure I'm good so I don't get the repo people showing up. And my main relationship, my main focus of the, my relationship with the IRS is not spending time with them, is not focusing, is not desperation by any means, but it's simply, did I do everything right? And I think so many of us are looking at God like, we, like I look and probably all of you look like at the IRS. And we say, am I okay? Am I doing everything right? Is God cool with me doing this? Did I mess up? And maybe I did mess up so I feel distant from God. And, we, and we're just in this mindset of compliance. And I believe if we have that mindset of compliance, we are missing out on the miracles of God. We're missing out on the relationship with God. We're missing out on healing that God wants to give to you. Because I believe that, that why we have that idea, why we come to this conclusion that we're supposed to look at God, that he's more concerned with compliance, is, a, is rooted in a lie that we think that God is worried about our compliance more than he is our spiritual connection with him. We, we think God cares more about our compliance to, to, to following the rules than we do about our own healing. But the reality is, I want, to, I want to dismantle that lie and give you some truth, is that God is more concerned about your healing than he is your compliance. Some of us have been looking at God and saying, i got to make sure I'm doing the right things. Am I doing the right things? Am I, doing, am I avoiding the right things? Am I avoiding the wrong things and doing the right things? And do I have everything? Do I have my life looking like God wants it to look like? And because of that, our focus is on compliance, and we miss the fact that God wants to do a miracle in our life is that God is the way maker and the miracle worker and that he wants to bring about healing in your life and that he doesn't want you to just go through hardship, but he wants to be present in your hardship and he wants you to be aware that he's present in your hardship. So I believe this, that, that desperation, that through the, through the hardship produces this desperation, and you, you may want to write this down, is that, that, that hardship and that pain often results in desperation. But that desperation results in miracles. See, pain often results in, in this, we, we get into a really tough spot and we start getting desperate. 
We start doing things we don't normally do. See, if, uh, a few weeks ago, I had the kids by myself. Veronica was at a meeting or something, and we were driving around, and I was like, oh, shoot, what do I do for food? And uh, I usually, I have like not done fast food. I've kind of made that a standard semi in my life, except for Chick-fil-A and In-N-Out. That's like in a holy category because they have Christian roots. But, uh, but I went, I lowered my standard because I was desperate. Like, what do I do with these kids? And I went to Taco Bell. And so I went through the drive-thru at Taco Bell, and I was devastated by the fact that my childhood menu was now gone. And prepare yourself, y'all. This is, this is heartbreaking for some of us. They no longer serve the double-decker taco. I'm, I'm serious. I, well, someone said they do. Maybe not, not all. The one I went to over there, they pull, I pulled up. I said, hey, I'll have a double-decker. And they said, sorry, we don't make those anymore. And I was like, I've been ordering those things since I was five years old. And I started sobbing right there. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, and I was somewhat joking, but somewhat serious. Like, Look, I've been having these since I was five years old. You can't take these away from me. And, and I kid you not, like, I was at, like there was this pause in a, for, for a little bit on the other end. And I just kind of like left it. Like, what am I going to do? I don't know what to do. And some lady in the back said, all of a sudden they came around and said, no, we'll figure something out. And when I pulled up to the menu, this lady that, was, that overheard the intercom thing said, hey, I've been ordering them since I was five years old too, but I can make it happen. I'll order you a side taco and a side of beans, and we'll make that double-decker happen. <laughs> and I was desperate, and it resulted in a miracle. Like, I'm just telling you, <laughs> things happen. The pain results in desperation. Desperation results in miracles. But in a much bigger way, that's on a minute scale, in a much bigger way that, that when we're in the midst of pain, we do things we wouldn't normally do. I went to Taco Bell. We don't normally do that. But it results in something that, that looks like desperation. And when we get desperate for God, miracles happen. See, desperation without the direction towards God, we maybe get desperate and start, start going outside of our morals and start reaching out to other things and any other means. But, but desperation without direction towards God, that's going to result in, in a downward slope. But desperation focused on Jesus, that's going to result in, Jesus, in, in miracles. When we truly get desperate for God, and I, I think that's something that's missing, especially some of us that have been serving God a long time, we, we, we've lost our desperation. When I read this passage, it's we're going to read, I believe that God wants us to get desperate for him. So this is what it says in Mark chapter 5. Um, Jesus has just been doing miracle after miracle. He was on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and he comes back, and what do you know? There's someone to meet him waiting for another miracle. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, and this is chapter 5, verses 21 through 34, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was beside the sea. Then, he came, then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and who had suffered much under many physicians. She had spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. See, I think some of us can relate to this person that we've tried everything. Maybe it's been a long time. You've been trying so hard to fix this problem in your life. And you feel like, man, it's actually only getting worse. And see, that's when you start to lose hope and you lose hope. But something changed in this person when they saw, they heard, and they knew about Jesus. Because it says in verse 27, she had heard the reports about Jesus. 
and came up before him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I even touch his garments, I will be made well. See, she even spoke it out. She wasn't saying, hey, I'll give this a shot. She, she said it with faith. And that's what, that's what I believe is this desperation faith, this faith desperation. It said, even if I touch his garments, I will be made well. It's going to happen. I'm going to do this. All I got to do is touch the hem of his garment. For she said that, and then in verse 29, and immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. That's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. And then verse 30, and Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, hey, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around, and yet, he, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. I want to pray real quick just for God's word to speak to us. Lord, we thank you for your word. We know it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I just pray that you would speak through me, God. Let there be less of me and what I want to say and more of you working through me. And I pray some of us who are going through pain right now, right this second, we're, we know there's a million things that we're frustrated, frustrated by and in pain and in hardship in the midst of a struggle. I pray that we would reach out to you and we would get desperate for you. Let us show desperation of faith in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to look at this passage, and this is, this is a tool I want to equip you all with, uh, is to simply ask questions when you read Scripture. You see, this isn't, see the, the Scripture reading isn't something that's supposed to be outsourced to a person on Sunday morning. We are all capable of opening up the Word of God, and there's something so powerful when you hear, feel God and you know that God's speaking through the Word. So simply, let me give you a quick tip on just how to study the Word of God. Pray. Open up, this, open up a passage even, just one, one chapter or one verse, and just say, God, would you speak to me? And then read it and then ask some questions about it. Say, what does this mean? What does this mean? And it's okay if those questions don't eventually get answered. But as you do that, God will start to show you something. That's, that's honestly how I do the majority of my sermon prep. And so, so today in asking the questions, what, what stands out and what do I feel like God's speaking to me and what, what is significant about certain, some of these things, I want to point out a few of those things today about how, how desperation will result in miracles. And pain often produces that desperation, that desperate faith that we need, that we see. So I believe today, and I want to just proclaim that this is going to happen, that some of us today, this wouldn't be on my heart if it wasn't significant, wasn't on purpose, that some of us today need a miraculous healing. Some of us today have been in the midst of years and years of pain and hardship. And I believe all it takes is one touch from Jesus for, for a miracle. I'm bold enough to believe that this is the word of God and Jesus is still the miracle worker. And so I, wanna, I just want to challenge you. That's my expectation today. That's my desperate faith for you as for all of us to have that miracle, that healing, that powerful move of God in our life. But it happens when we get desperate for God. So here's a few things I want to I highlight. Some, some problems need spiritual solutions. See, some problems may have earthly, physical solutions, right? 
Like anybody else like to fix things? Anybody feel very accomplished when any guys especially feel very accomplished when they fix something around the house? Come on, guys, where are you at? Yep, yep, you just feel like I'm not the most handy man around, but when I fix something, man, I feel like, like I'm, I'm, I'm Rambo or something, just walking out of there like, yep, I conquered this leaky toilet. I conquered the world. Like I walk in, I walk out of the house, walk into Starbucks with my head hung high. Everyone's like, whoa, what's, who's this guy? I'm like, I just fixed a leaky toilet. Like, it just, it just makes you feel good. That's why, I, guys, I kind of have this innate, like, sense to fix things with a physical solution with their hands and get a hammer and fix it. But let me tell you, some problems we have aren't solved by a spiritual, by an earthly physical solution. Some problems we have are only solved by a spiritual solution. They're only solved by reaching out to God. They're only solved by f- touching the hem of his garment. Not everything has a physical solution. So this woman was 12 years with this ailment, 12 years of this disease, and she had done everything. It said she spent all her money. She'd seen every doctor. She used every essential oil out there. She did everything she could. And still, she was coming up short. Still, she had nothing nothing to go off of. And she was wondering, man, I'm at the end of my rope. And none of these physical solutions. So if we look at it, we also understand that she was spiritually unclean, according to the book of Leviticus. Because she, she had this, this uh, issue of blood, that she was spiritually unclean and she was outcast. And anybody she touched was also labeled as unclean. And so this was a huge risk for her as well, going through this crowd. So she was labeled as unclean, and as a result, she was shunned and relegated to a lonely and empty life. See, she would have had to let anyone know in the public square, if she was to go out in public, she would have to let everyone know that she has this disease and she's labeled unclean. And some of us have been trying every earthly solution to this problem we have. And this is something I want to highlight to us. Some of us have been trying everything on the market. Everything that we can. We've, we've tried everything. But I want to let you know that one touch from Jesus, it's that spiritual solution that that it can change everything, just like the woman with the issue of blood. And I think some of us are realizing that your problem doesn't have a physical solution. After trying so many things, we're like, hey, I guess this isn't really working. What do I need to do? What do I need to shift? And I want to encourage you that when you reach out to Jesus in desperation, that's when your ultimate healing comes. And some of us just need to have that desperate faith for him. Number two is this, is man's perception often misses God's intention. Why do I say that? It's because you notice the disciples were like, hey, what are you talking about? Like Jesus said, hey, who touched me? And the disciples were like, what are you talking about, Jesus? There's a million people touching you. We're all thronged around. We're all pressing. So you literally were shoulder to shoulder moving around. Jesus was moving around. And this woman had to, had to do the same thing just to get to Jesus and just touch the hem of his garment. And Jesus perceived that. And so the disciples were like, what are you talking about? See, man's perception sees one thing, but God's intention is another thing. And God perceives your needs. See, that's, that's one thing that, that I believe happens a lot is, is that we come in here, we go, around, we go through our life with a smile on our face, not knowing and, and with, without letting anyone know what's really going on. And I believe some of us came in here, we had to put a smile on our face, we came to church We don't want to let our friends know. We don't even want to let our family know that there's hurt inside. 
but, but I want to let you know that if that, this is you, is that God sees you and God perceives you. God knows your heart. God knows the problems that's going on. He knows every hair on your head and he knows what's going on and he knows the struggle that's in your life. And God perceives your needs. See, just as, as Jesus looked out and said, man, who touched me? Jesus can sense who needs a touch. People don't understand you. People may not understand what you need. You may not even know what you need. But Jesus perceives you, perceives your needs. He perceives you. He understands you. And he's ready to meet you if you would just reach out. He will heal your anxiety. He will heal your brokenheartedness. And he'll give you peace inside. That's, that's what I believe the healing is when we reach out. Sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes it's physical. Sometimes it's spiritual. But he is the ultimate healer when we reach out in faith and desperation. The third thing is this, is that struggle is a part of the story. See, the woman went and just shared what was happening because it was this, I think it might have been like an awkward pause for a minute. Jesus was like, who touched me? And the disciples said, what are you talking about? And they said, no, who touched me? And everyone was looking around. That woman was waiting for a minute. I, I foresee that. I picture it. And then finally she said, well, I got to come clean. And she came up to Jesus and told him everything, it says. And I believe there's that, that highlights the power of the testimony. Now, now and, I, and I believe sometimes we have to understand that we're going through this struggle. I talked about this a few weeks ago, that there, there's purpose in, your, purpose in your storm, there's purpose in your hardship, and that, that, that struggle is just part of your story. And that struggle you're going through now, where you're dealing with a health problem, you're dealing with a marriage problem, you're dealing with something at work, you're dealing with stress, you're dealing with anxiety that's overwhelming, that's going to be part of your story. And that's going to heal other people's lives. It's going to be an encouragement for other people's lives. Let me tell you, a few weeks ago I talked about how I went through this dark depression in my life several years back. And I talked about how I was like losing my identity and I felt like the enemy was just speaking to me, telling me that I'm a failure as a pastor. And let me tell you how often I share that story with other pastors. And when I share that, they, they feel like lifted up because they can relate to that. See, that, that struggle that you have is going to be the encouragement to someone else. Because you say, hey, you know what? I've been there. And that's why this woman, I, I think, is so cool. She comes up and, and shares what happened. And she shares that, sto that, that struggle for 12 years she had, and it highlighted God's goodness. See, your struggle isn't just for other people, but your struggle is going to just honestly give glory to God. When, we are, when we're honest with God and we, we come before him and say, man, this is what I'm going through, it's going to give God glory. When we say, look what you've brought me from, God, and look where, you, where I am now, that brings glory to God, and that's part of the story. The, uh, the fourth thing is this, is that true faith um, requires risk. It requires risk. See, this woman put a lot on the line. Like I said, she was, she was labeled unclean. And it also says, according to the Mosaic law, that anybody she touched would be unclean. And so she risked a lot of things. She, she risked, uh, you know, persecution and, and potential death for doing what she was doing because she was making everyone she touched unclean. And she, she put a lot on the line just to touch Jesus. See, I think that's, that's one thing that we're missing in our faith is this risk. We want to have our faith as long as it's convenient. You know, we want to serve God as long as it's convenient for us. You know, in, in our 21st century, we've developed a lot of love 
and a lot of expectation for convenience. Like everything needs to just be convenient. Starbucks mobile order, you know, have everything just good to go. Like we, 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 we've lost this idea that true faith requir- requires this risk that you're going to have to step outside of your comfort zone and it's not going to be convenient. It's not going to be comfortable. It's going to be your, there's going to be a million questions running through your head and true faith requires risk. She risked it all to touch Jesus. She risked it all. And we have to risk some things if we're going to reach out to Jesus. And you know what it often is? It's often the perception of others. And that's what that woman had to say. She, she eventually stopped caring about what other people thought. And I think sometimes we need to stop caring a little bit about what people think about us. We just need to reach out to Jesus. That's why you see me on the front row. Like, I don't care. I'm dancing. I'm raising my hands. I don't care. I just want to know Jesus more. Like, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I just want to know Jesus more. I just want to touch the hem of his garment. I don't care who thinks I'm weird. I don't, because honestly, the only person who, who cares their thoughts about me is Jesus. And I want to love him. I want to pursue him. I want to be desperate for him. And I think sometimes we lose that because of this risk factor. We only let, let our faith go as far as it's convenient for us. And that's something I think the church needs to change. That's something I think we all need to take an evaluation and say, man, I'm convicted about this, and I'm going to not worry about what people think about me because, honestly, I just need to know Jesus more. Honestly, I just want to worship God more. I just want to touch the hem of his garment. I just want to be desperate for him. So often we're worried about what, what will people think if I, if I go up for prayer? What will people think if, I, if God doesn't heal me? You know, that's a risk. You know, we, we, we risk it all because that, that woman also said, man, what if I go up, touch the hem of his garment, and nothing happens? That's a risk. But if you don't take risk, nothing's going to happen. And, and, and so, so that's what God honors. He honors this desperate faith, and he honors that risky faith. It says, man, what if, what if I just go all out, and I'm not worried about what people think of me? Faith involves laying down our reputation not worrying about how we're perceived. We have to lay that down. And that's one thing we don't like because we've built this reputation up after years and years of living our life. And we say, man, that's difficult to change. But, but what do you value more? That's the question I want to pose to you. Do you value your healing? Do you value the miracle that, that is on the other side of that risk? The miracle that's on the other side of that desperation? Do you value the miracle more? Are you... De- Are you valuing your reputation more? That's something we have to ask. That's something the woman asked. She's like, I don't care. I want, I'm going to risk it all. I'm desperate to touch Jesus. And when we get desperate for God, I believe it's just one touch is all we need from God. One touch is all we need from Jesus. And he will heal us of our disease. He will heal us of our broken heartness. Miracles happen when we take risk and reach out to him. The last thing is this, is with Jesus... An outcast becomes a child. Did you notice that? That he looks at the woman and said, daughter. He addresses her as daughter. And that's something to kind of breeze over. But if you think about this for a second, she has been 12 years labeled as an outcast. Just written on the top of her head. Written on her forehead, outcast. That's what she was known as. That's what she was labeled as. Everywhere she'd go, people would see her and take a step back, keep their distance because she was outcast. She was unclean. Could you imagine how that felt? And then all of a sudden, this, this man looks at you 
who's been, been claiming to be the son of God, who's been claiming to, to be God, to, for, to have the ability and the power to forgive sin, which, which is claiming to be God, the, the king of kings, that Jesus looks at you and says, hey, you were an outcast, but I'm going to address you this way. You're my child. You're my daughter. You're my son. And he looks at her and says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. There's something power, powerful about that. The enemy wants to attack our identity. But when we understand our identity, the, often the biggest miracle happens when we just realize that we are a child of God. When we just realize we're a child of God, we could go through any pain. See, I believe this. Like maybe that woman reached out to Jesus. And if, and if I read that story and it says she wasn't healed, that she was still had the issue of blood, she still had her physical disease, but, she, but Jesus looked back and said, child, he said, daughter, go in peace. I would still label that a miracle. Because when we have our identity, when we have our identity as a child of God, when we know that who our father is, that we are loved, that we have a place in the kingdom of God, that he values you, that it doesn't matter what pain you can be going through. Because sometimes we don't get the healing. Sometimes we pray and there's, there's not a physical healing and I don't have a good explanation of why sometimes there's not a healing. Except for God knows and, and I don't. God's sovereign and I'm not. God's thoughts are above our thoughts. And, and I don't know. But often there is a healing, a physical healing. But, but always there's a healing of our identity when we reach out to Jesus. And that is the root. That is the root of it all. That's the root, root of our struggle is, is we can get through any struggle, any physical struggles, financial, relational, you name it. We can get through anything when we understand our identity. See, some of us are trying to go through our struggle with our, with our identity as an outcast. Our identity as something besides a child of God. We've been putting our identity in our work. You know, this is my, my occupation is my identity. Sometimes we even put our, our, our identity as, as our family life, a dad or a father or mother or wife. But, but ultimately, most importantly, our identity should be a child of God. And the, that, that we look at this story and I see the greatest miracle, the biggest part of her healing is becoming a child of God. There's no other greater healing than knowing that. She wants a physical healing, but she gets so much more. She gets called a child of God. And I believe you're here for a reason. Some of you are here and you feel like you're at the end of, the, end of your rope. I think some of us are here and we can really relate to this individual in this story because we've tried a lot and we've kind of given up. We've probably given up and like, hey, this is just the way it's going to be. But I just felt like encouraging someone today to, to get desperate for God, to get desperate for more of Jesus, just to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. Some of us are going through a struggle right now. Some of us are going through a struggle in our marriage. Some of us are going through a struggle in our finances. Some of us are going through a struggle in our identity. And I believe God wants to heal you of those things. And, and I believe some of us need to, to reach out to Jesus. Some of us need to take a risk even right now in this moment and show desperation for God and show that you really need Jesus, that you believe that he is the healer today. And I want to pray for you that that will happen. Would you stand to your feet all across this room? I hope room? this word encouraged you today. 
If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.